A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today we've got a story of some nasty rumors being spread around about someone's roommate. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, how I dealt with my nosy neighbor. One of my friends had lived with a nosy neighbor, and I had laughed so much at all the ridiculous experiences he had. When it was my turn to handle a nosy neighbor, I could no longer laugh at my own experiences. Once, my nosy neighbor got on my last nerves to the point that I had a panic attack. I gasped for air. I remember that I disappeared from my flat for a whole week because I couldn't bear to face the funny-faced middle-aged Hispanic woman. When I finally had enough of her, I swore to put her in her place once and for all. I am sure she will never forget my name. George was the last word she said as I watched the police wheel her out of the neighborhood. When I moved into that neighborhood last year in the fall, I'd hoped for the best experience. I was a young college graduate who secured a job as a business analyst in one of the reputable firms in Buckhead, Atlanta. The sky was my starting point as I'd always hoped to get the best out of life. I'm a jolly good fellow, and my cheery personality is contagious. I guess it was this personality that got a 45-year-old Hispanic lady obsessed with me. Her flat was adjacent to mine, so it was easy for her to see me in and out almost on the daily. My first experience with her was when I went on a routine walk with my miniature dachshund dog on the sidewalk, and she startled me with a loud, wild scream. My dog Betty and I were terrified, and to fight for the both of us... Betty had begun to bark. I was lost. She had muttered indistinct words like, They want to hurt me. Someone save me. Who takes a very black miniature dachshund dog all around? I found it funny at that point, and I felt sorry for her for having phobias or allergies to dogs. Whatever her issues were, I suddenly became conscious of my Americanness. If she had allergies, I had freedom for Betty and me, so I trivialized that ridiculous experience innocently. If I had known who I was to deal with, I would have paid more attention. If I only knew what I was about to get myself into, I wouldn't have said the first, hi. The next morning, I saw her walking into her parking lot to drive out, and I rushed up to apologize for what I didn't even know happened. She said, it's okay, I hadn't seen such a dog here in the last five years. I turned to go away, for I assumed we were done. I was shocked to hear her say, I'm allergic to dogs, especially to black ones. You don't want to know my experience, I bet you. That was it. I didn't know she wanted me and my dear Betty kicked out of the neighborhood. It wasn't our fault that she had allergies, but we were going to pay for it anyway. I think she must have sworn silently that she was going to make my life a living heck because nothing else could explain what she did to my girlfriend Tina and me. Tina was so harmless as a dove and she exuded this aura of simplicity that I sometimes wished she could give me a news flash and be a bit more complicated. I blamed Mrs. Dortmund for our untimely breakup, but I blamed Tina more for allowing herself to easily be taken in. I filled her in about the experience I had with Mrs. Dortmund, and I had expected her to find her weird. Rather, she said she couldn't wait to meet such an interesting character. I didn't think my panic was necessary, but I panicked. I didn't want her to meet Mrs. Dortmund because there was something about her that made me wary of her. On the day Tina arrived from London, 
I was out attending a meeting with the executive director of the firm I walked with. I planned to pick her up, but the meeting was extended, so she used a taxi instead. I knew Mrs. Dortman would be on her balcony. Her husband had been out of the country, and I couldn't say what she did for a living, but I knew she was always home. On most evenings, she observed her routine walks, but she stopped doing that when she might bump into Betty, whom she never liked. She used her balcony instead. She was right there when Tina arrived. Mrs. Dortmund was the kind of person that barely understood boundaries. She felt I was a lost friend because her familiarity with me was so much out of proportion. I didn't discover that she was a nosy person at first. I just felt she had special issues. When my girlfriend was face to face with this woman, I didn't feel comfortable. She cooked up stories and she recounted them as if they were real. Once, she said Mrs. Richard, our other neighbor, was an abuser. She said Mrs. Richard once hit her husband so badly that she was arrested by the police and made to sign some papers. I found that malicious because Mr. Richard was a hefty six foot nine tall middle-aged man who was addicted to fitness. I hated that she told me unnecessary things about others and that particular story made me realize she was nosy and dangerous because everybody said it never happened. I wasn't wrong when I didn't want Tina to meet Mrs. Dortman without me around. According to Tina, Mrs. Dortman sprung up to her feet in a flash when she alighted from the taxi. She was at the door when she met the interesting character she looked forward to meeting ever since, except that she didn't tell her anything interesting. My neighbor asked Tina if she was a family member, and she gladly told her how special she was to me. She said, wow, I hope you have a pleasant stay in Buckhead, and I sincerely hope that no other special girl shows up while you're here. I'll put you in my prayers. After Mrs. Dortmund uttered those words, it took Tina about 10 seconds to understand what she meant by, I would put you in my prayers. She told Tina she'd seen different women in my flat, and she prayed that there would be no interruption by any one of them. She had wondered why I had some women over a couple of times since I moved in, but they were my colleagues at work. We were in a team and some of them worked remotely. Often, we met up at my home to catch up and discuss business. I should have told Tina about them, but I knew she had some insecurities, and I was very careful not to jeopardize our relationship like I almost did in the past. Mrs. Dortman had been inquisitive, but I paid her no attention. In short, I had deliberately evaded her weeks before Tina arrived. Then, she got back at me in that manner. I didn't expect the cold shoulders Tina gave me when I got home. I had missed her so much, but when she brushed me aside abruptly, I sensed fire and maybe a bit of brimstone in our relationship. I asked her about her trips while I tried to hug her again. All I got was, I met Mrs. Dortmund and she was generous enough to give me a glimpse of what's been going on in Buckhead. I was shocked. I wondered what she was told. I was restless. Tina had planned that visit, and I didn't expect the cold shoulders she gave. At midnight, she woke me up. She told me it was best if I continued with all the girls Mrs. Dortman told her I brought home when she wasn't there. That was when I knew I had a worse nosy neighbor than all the ones my friends had complained about. Everything was disturbing. I couldn't utter any words, but I was greatly disturbed that Tina, my girlfriend of two years, didn't trust me at all. Well, she caught me kissing a girl back in London when we were in school, but I thought we were over it. I apologized. I spent a whole year making things right between us. But when she said she was leaving, I knew it was best if she did. 
I was surprised that she believed a total stranger without hearing me out. When Tina left, I thought my neighbor would finally be mortified, but it became horrible. She asked about Tina for a whole week, and she refused to just stay in her business. I began to think if there was more to the special issues I thought she might have had. If I thought I had a panic attack when Tina left me, thanks to Mrs. Dortmund, then I wasn't prepared for the disgust I felt when my neighbor called the police on me when I hosted my friends at my birthday party. She had seen me with some vendors a few days before my birthday, and she wanted to know what I was up to by all means. I tried hard to contain my disgust, but when she wouldn't back down, I warned her sternly to stay out of my flat and my life. This woman knew how to make me go breathless. I couldn't believe it was barely a year since I moved in, and she has succeeded to make my life a living heck. Even though I wasn't her husband or her son, I couldn't get her out of my business. She didn't like that I told her to steer clear of my party, but I cared less. It was my 28th birthday, and I wanted to have the time of my life. I made sure I evaded anyone or anything that gave negative vibes. That day was unforgettable. We were high on happiness and we blasted the music at the highest volume. I thought the neighbor should give me a break because it was my birthday. Exactly 45 minutes after my party began, I heard police sirens in the street. It was none of my business, I thought. After the doorbell rang continuously, it became glaring that the police were in the neighborhood for the birthday boy. I strutted wearily to the door, only to see the devil with the policeman. Mrs. Dortman pointed at me to say, he's the man who threatens the neighborhood daily. He has a dangerous dog. And now he brought these dangerous people to our neighborhood. The police made their way into my flat and saw Betty, who only wagged her tail and smiled shyly at them. She made me smile amidst the chaos. Betty liked the attention. When I moved to Atlanta, I was very lonely, so I decided to get a pet. When I adopted Betty, what attracted her to me was cheerfulness and how much I noticed that she liked attention. She did so much to get my attention to her and I admired that so much. I still do. I wanted to know what it meant to give someone or something so much attention. My girlfriend complained so much about how she was attention starved and Betty taught me how to overcome that. I marveled at the similarities there are between humans and animals. My girlfriend Tina was far away in London and it was easy for me to give her quality time, affection and attention that she marveled at how much I had grown since I moved to Atlanta. Betty had grown on me in numerous ways and I didn't understand why anyone would hate her so much. The police checked thoroughly but nothing was incriminating about us. It was obvious all we had going on was a harmless birthday party. They stepped out after they warned me not to disturb the neighborhood. I used that opportunity I had with the police to my advantage. I told them I needed a written document for my neighbor and for me to sign. I didn't want her around me or my dog or me around her. I told them I would file a lawsuit if she trespassed again. I told them a bit about what I've been through when I reported to the police the next day and we both signed an undertaking to steer clear of each other. That signature was the beginning of revenge for me. All my friends laughed. They said the middle-aged woman had a crush on me and I refused to see it. It was then I knew I needed to put an end to the madness that had gone on for too long. I needed to stop Mrs. Dortman before she ended me. Although I had no plans on how to deal with her, I saw her as someone with a special problem. To be honest, Mrs. Dortman had some goodness in her soul and she was a big lover of attention. 
I didn't want her around me. I knew she was dangerous, and she was better for the people who were good to her. But I didn't want to be good to her. Her presence had brought pain and loss to me. I just wanted the chance to keep her away from me. I wanted to put her far away from me. And my time came when she got rid of Betty. It was obvious that my neighbor never liked Betty, but I didn't believe when she would use her car to run her over. I had always forgiven her excesses, but that was too much for me. Betty was my best friend. She was my closest companion. That evening, Betty had exercised some reluctance towards our evening walk, but I needed us out for some fresh air since I worked from home that day. I forgot my apple earbuds on the dining table, and I quickly went to pick them up. It was a horrible sight when I came out. Mrs. Dortmund drove right through the sidewalk to run over my dear Betty. Everyone that saw it knew it was intentional. Everyone had one bad thing or two to say about Mrs. Dortmund and their pets. She hated animals, and it was scary. Mrs. Dortmund was remorseful, but I cared less. I was determined to deal with her. That was the only way I could grieve in peace. When the police came to arrest Mrs. Dortmund, it wasn't about the dog alone. She had breached the agreement she signed, and she was going to dance to the music of her crime. To top it all off, she had intentionally ended someone else's pet just because she was allergic to dogs. She would be taken to a rehabilitation center, after which she would be charged to court. Mrs. Dortmund never returned to that neighborhood again. I'm not gonna lie, this is one of the saddest nuclear revenge stories I've read in a while. This is one of those stories you read and afterwards you're like, you need to take a few beats just to kind of process it. Our next story is, I told everyone my roommate caught an STI. Getting a scholarship to college was the best thing that had ever happened to me for a very long time. It was a great way to escape my parents, escape my family, and escape religion too. My parents were very strict religious people. Our church was super old-fashioned. It wasn't even the modern version of Christianity. The rules were so outdated and backward that it was considered sinful for women and girls to wear pants or speak out in church. I had no friends in school. My parents preferred it that way. They would rather I'm not corrupted by the worldly people in school. I also hardly spoke to people and people hardly spoke to me too. I was an outcast in school, but not out there on the field because I was an amazing athlete. That was the only place I should. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. 
I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Own in school, the only extracurricular activity that my father didn't hate. I also did well in school. My grades were always up, but I was mostly known for being a quiet athlete. After my dad died, my mom loosened up on her rules. My mom and I weren't close when my dad was alive. In a way, it was almost like we competed for my dad's affection. After he died, grief sort of brought us together and we didn't take church and religion so seriously anymore. My mom still attended church, but wasn't as active as she was when my dad was alive. She also didn't make me go to church. It was okay to just tell her that I didn't feel up to it and she would let me stay at home. Slowly, I made friends in school. My mom still disapproved of some of them though. My mom became laxer about religion, but she was still religious. I wasn't allowed to do things that the girls who were my age did. I never had a boyfriend, for instance, because my mom believed it was so wrong to start dating if one wasn't ready to get married. Since I couldn't have a boyfriend, hooking up was off the table too. I didn't go out at night either. I was never allowed to. All the evil things that God hates always happens at night, my mom would say. I was the killjoy in all the friend groups I tried to be a part of because they had to arrange the group's plans to fit into my mom's rules. At some point, they stopped caring enough to include me in the plans. I never bothered to ask any of them. Why bother? I knew the response was going to be that they didn't think I'd make it because of my mom, and they wouldn't be wrong. That was what usually happened, until they just cut me off from the group. Okay, that's enough background about why I was wary of my roommate from the start. I got a full scholarship for college and grabbed it with gratitude. I was excited to step out from the town I grew up in, from the church and my mother. Yes, I love my mom very much, but I needed to stay away from her. I moved into my room the week before my roommate moved in. At the time, I'd already made two friends on campus. One of them lived in the same building, and the other played tennis and was on the school's team too. We were establishing strong connections, and I loved it. That was the one thing I didn't have in high school, and I was determined to have it in college. Friendship. I hoped that my roommate would be a very cool girl too. I'd already imagined having a sister-like relationship with my roommate, like the one I'd seen in movies. I imagined that we would go on to be friends after college, and I'd be the godmother of her child. Don't roll your eyes at me, I'd missed out on a lot of things in high school, and I'd gotten the rest of my life to fix that. Anyway, my roommate did move in, a pretty writer girl. I knew we were going to be friends because she was irreligious and chatty. I wanted someone chatty and outgoing. As a plus, she was also in the school on a scholarship. It was just perfect. Sadly, she had to leave the dorm later when she found out that her scholarship didn't cover accommodation expenses. She was hurt and so was I. I cried when she moved out. The next day, someone else moved in, and it was like the universe was trying to punish me for something. She was just like my mother. 
I imagine that if my mother had gone to college, she would be just like my new roommate, very religious. I knew from the day she walked in that I would not like her, but I didn't want to stereotype her and not even give her a chance. So I warmed up to her and tried to talk to her. To make myself more relatable, I revealed that I used to be very religious too. I even told her about the church I attended and the strict rules. I'll make it my duty to bring you back to God, she said when I told her. I wasn't quite comfortable with that. I wasn't interested in being brought back or whatever. I just wanted to explore a life as a college student, an athlete, and a person. The last thing I wanted was for another religious figure to see me as a project to be one. She noticed my discomfort. She said, look, what if my being here isn't a coincidence? I knew what she was talking about. I'd heard it all too well and often. I said, what? She said, what if I was here to bring you back to God? What are the chances of being roomies? I mean, your former roommate had to leave, right? Don't you think that's some sort of divine arrangement? I tried very hard not to roll my eyes till they fell out the back of my head. No, I don't think it's a divine arrangement, I replied curtly and left for my side of the room thinking that I at least tried. Ever since that day, she invited me to Christian meetings and Bible study, all of which I turned down. She did not back down and I didn't expect her to. I've seen my mom wear our neighbors down with numerous invites to church. They mostly turned her down and some even became very rude about the rejection and rightly so, but that only encouraged her even more. It was almost as though she even got a sort of satisfaction from being rejected. Some others went to church with her because she was a sweet woman and they just wanted to make her happy or get her off their backs. I became my roommate's new project. She would randomly try to talk to me about Jesus. It was interesting because she acted like I was never a Christian. There was nothing that she was saying to me that I hadn't just heard, but even said to others when I was younger too. And if her incessant preaching was not enough, my roommate prayed so loudly it was crazy. I could never just sleep at night or take a nap because she always had some solo prayer session or some prayer session via phone calls with someone else. These were a lot louder. Sometimes they came into our room for their meetings. She had a boyfriend who was also one of the worshippers. He would be in the room sometimes singing worship songs and praying too. I calmly told her one day about the noise she was making, but she smiled and said, Oh, you used to be in the faith. You should know how these things can be loud. I was angry, but I said nothing. I just faked a small smile. My former roommate was livid when we talked about my roommate's behavior. I think you should tell her off, she said flatly. I understand that you've been holding off on telling her off for whatever reason, but it's time you did that. Otherwise, she's just going to keep making you uncomfortable in your room. I returned to the room that night, determined to warn her about it. As soon as I tried to speak to her, she frowned and turned her back. I called out to her, hey, I'm talking to you. She said, I'm very busy right now, so I can't talk. I say, you have to understand that I've had enough of your attitude. The noise, the constantly bothering me about attending programs. Leave me alone, she yelled. I had never seen her act like that, so I touched her arm lightly and she suddenly screamed. I didn't understand what was going on. She kept screaming so loudly that we heard knocks on the door. I opened the door and saw many curious residents wondering what was going on. The resident at the door lived in the building and was a prominent figure in her church. I'm not sure what position she occupied, but I knew she was important. 
They said, what's going on here? My roommate said, she tried to attack me. What? I exclaimed. What? The resident exclaimed too. She turned to look at me in horror. Listen, you're not going to take advantage of her meekness in Christ, you hear me? The resident faced me, her arms akimbo. I almost burst out laughing, but it was a serious accusation. I could be rusticated or have some other serious consequences if people believe that I tried to attack my roommate. I got so frustrated because the resident would not listen to me. I picked up my purse and went out for a walk. When I returned, her boyfriend was in the room and he kept staring at me. As soon as my roommate left for the bathroom, her boyfriend turned to me and said, Look, we won't report what has happened, but this cannot happen again. I just nodded. It was my word against hers anyway. I was more outgoing, louder, and stronger. I was experienced enough to know that I could never win. I wasn't disappointed to learn that she had told her boyfriend that lie too. It was very mean and unnecessary too. It wasn't the first time I'd been on the receiving end of unnecessary pettiness and meanness from church girls. I never fit in in high school anyway. I was an outcast in school and church. Because I was never pure enough for the Christian girls. I was too religious for the girls at school. While I got my fair share of meanness from the girls in school, it was nowhere close to what I experienced from church girls. Once, a girl in church spread a rumor about me. I did nothing to her. But I was ready to nip my roommate's silliness in the bud. Luck smiled at me when I spotted a used pregnancy test kit that read negative in the bathroom. I laughed, that bloody hypocrite. I decided I was going to tell anyone I knew that was associated with her that she had caught an STI, and I did just that nearly three weeks after. First, I went to the resident who came to our room when my roommate screamed. I told her that I was worried about my roommate and that she'd been upset since she found out that she had caught gonorrhea. The resident looked disgusted. She kept repeating gonorrhea with disgust on her face. So much for sisterhood, I thought to myself. Next, it was her boyfriend. She wasn't in the room when he came around and I was putting on my makeup and ready to go out for a snack with my friends too. I said hello to him and then casually told him I'd checked online for medications that could be used if he caught it too. Caught what? He asked, looking confused. I said gonorrhea. I figured you'd get it since she caught it or you infected her. I'm not sure how it all went down. I hope you're fine. He was shocked and asked me if his girlfriend had gonorrhea. I said, oh my god, was I not supposed to mention that? I'm so sorry, I thought you two had... I wasn't done when my roommate came in, but I didn't care. I had done the damage already. As soon as I left to see my friends, her boyfriend angrily packed his stuff and walked out too. My roommate called after him, but he ignored her. Luckily for me, her boyfriend didn't tell her what I had told him. That evening, she looked very worried. She kept leaving him voice messages in the bathroom, asking him what he had done. I left my room that evening to receive a package outside the building and saw two of her prayer meeting folks at the entrance. Hello, I greeted them, smiling. They smiled back awkwardly. They weren't used to me being that friendly toward them. Hi, one of them muttered. I told them I was very worried about my roommate. Ever since she's got the doctor's report, she's been very upset. Please be very nice to her. One of them looked surprised. Upset? Doctor's report? What's going on? I said, you know. I looked around like I was worried someone was listening to our conversation. She's got the G word, I said in an almost whisper. They looked on confused. Oh, she's got gonorrhea, I explained. 
Wow, the other girl exclaimed, looking disgusted. Please be very careful around her. I walked away briskly and turned back to steal a glance at the girls. They were debating, visibly irritated. I smirked. My smudge plan was working very well. When I returned to the room, I met my roommate alone, her head pressed on her reading table. As soon as I walked in, she tried to talk to me, but I ignored her, went over to my space and put on my headphones. From the corner of my eyes, I watched her make calls frantically. Crying, I fell asleep, satisfied that I just ruined her relationship. From what I know about church girls, they would spread the news like the flu. I woke up to a light tap on my arm. It was my roommate calling out to me. Did you tell my boyfriend anything? Wake up, I need to talk to you. I stood up slowly, walked to the room door, opened it, and returned to the room. I said, well, I told him you caught an STI. She burst into tears. What? I don't have any STIs? And why are you yelling? I said, look, I don't want to be caught in the middle of anything, okay? I understand that you have gonorrhea, I said very loudly. She rushed to the door and closed it. Needless to say, she stayed out of my way for the rest of the session. At some point, if you gotta do something drastic to finally get somebody out of your hair, I don't really blame them too much. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.